HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. And welcome back to Heritage Radio Network on Tour, broadcasting live from Feast Portland. I'm Andrew Friedman, host of Andrew Talks to Chefs. And before we kick things off again this afternoon, we'd like to thank Travel Portland, Stream PDX, and the Julia Child Foundation for making our coverage of Feast possible. And I am now joined by Diego Galicia and Rico Torres. Did I do okay, guys? Perfect. Yeah. How you doing? Okay. Of Michley Restaurant. Ooh, did I get it right? Michley. Michley. I apologize. I got too nervous about it in the in the pre in our pre interview. Michley restaurant. That's correct. In San Antonio. Um, before we get into what you guys are up to here at Feast, can can you tell me a little uh, about Rico? Let's start with you. Can you tell me a little bit about your restaurant? Sure. So Michley is a twelve seat restaurant inside of a renovated train car. Um, the train car is actually an old refrigeration car from the 30s, I believe. Is it's that really, right? Yeah. One time, uh, w- the actual owner of the train car that left it there in 78 came into the restaurant, kind of told us the story, so it was great. But the restaurant itself is uh, its a way for us to separate Mexican gastronomy and Tex-Mex because down in San Antonio in the South Texas area, everything's just so very Tex-Mex, and we really wanted to draw the line in the sand and wanted to separate those two and put it on its that pedestal and show these incredible histories and and traditions and cooking ideals that Mexico has to offer, including ingredients, are just incredible. And we've been doing that for about five years. What we do, Michli means cloud in Nahuatl, which basically means uh, that the menu travels just as clouds travel. And uh, we're switching yeah, out guys, menus every couple months. you guys change it every, yeah. what, 45 days? 45 dinners, yeah. Yeah. Just, and um, switching it out, tasting menu, people come in, taking the system. Uh, we're telling them stories about every plate, and there's there's a lot of uh, value behind every every. Thing, every dish that we're doing because there's just so much information and history behind it and we really wanted to get creative with that and we're just uh-huh. really pushing the envelope on on doing those dishes but at the same time really respecting where they come from and why we're doing it yeah and it's just been a really incredible journey yeah so uh diego can you tell me was this something that you two before you opened the restaurant was this like a shared point of view that you two had was this something you guys would talk about like what what was the evolution of this? Yeah, so Rico and I met uh, o- almost five years ago, six years ago. Almost uh, seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was way fast. Uh, we were doing pop-ups with other cooks in the city. Yeah. And it was like an outlet for us to do things that we wanted to do aside from our host restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. So we get together and throw these dinners with other cooks. And when Rico and I met, uh, we pretty much became friends immediately that first dinner. 
And then we just kind of paired off every time. Every time mm -hmm. we did a dinner with the other cooks, Rico and I would kind of pair up and we became really good friends. And then one uh, one afternoon, I we met up and I said, hey, Rico, let's let's do this, but let's do it together. Uh, if I jump, you jump, and then we do this, right? <laughs> uh -huh. And we put our money together, which was not a lot. We had 15 grand. That gets you pretty much nowhere. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is all we have together. And, and we just kind of started looking around. We found the train cart. Uh, the rent was really cheap. And uh, we just went in with chalk one day and we drove the fridges in the wall where the logos were going to go and the, 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 the flat tops and all that stuff. And that was, uh, it'll be five years in October that that crazy. happened. Crazy. Uh, we've been together ever since pretty mm -hmm. much every day. That's yeah. crazy. Okay. You grew up in, in Toluca, Mexico. That's correct. You grew up north of the border mm -hmm. in Texas. Right. How has that, if at all, of like when you when you just said you wanted to kind of draw the line, right, between Tex-Mex and like you two literally grew up on different sides of that line. Yeah, I mean it's a great it's that, a great way to meet in, in the middle. How has that informed the collaboration and and the way the restaurant? Uh, I'm going to answer that in a very if at all if yeah, at all it's very simple. I'm going to answer in a in a in a Rico way okay. uh, because we have something common. It's in our DNA. We have this intangible thing that we share together uh -huh. that speaks to each other without us having to talk to each other, uh -huh. uh, which is our identity, our, our, our Mexicanhood, right? Um, and that's what pretty much glues us together. Uh, and that's what pushed the restaurant to get to where it is now, you know? So we have this unspoken thing that we share together that's in our DNA. We Both of us being Mexican heritage uh, that kind of just flows and works and, you know. Right, and, and this desire to, to respect it and to, to just see it for all that beauty that is. And sometimes you see, like, these... I hate to use this word, but these bastardized versions of of Mexican food, and then they turn into these like melted cheesy things and a little salad on the corner, and yeah, yeah it's out of respect. We wanted to put Mexican back and polish it up and and kind of heal it up a little bit, and that's yeah. kind of what started. I mean, what cracks me up is I grew up in Florida, and uh, I had a friend, actually my oldest friend in the world. His mother was from San Antonio, mm -hmm. and she refused to eat Mexican food in Florida, like. Right. But it says so she considered herself a real Mexican food uh, connoisseur. Right. But not by your guys standards, I'm assuming. Probably. Well, the thing is that Tex-Mex, it's its own thing. You yeah. know, it's its own right. cuisine. It's its own uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, mixture yeah. of things. So what we're not trying to do, uh, we have 31 states in Mexico. So we're trying to get people out of the idea that Mexico is just that, you know, rice and beans and fajitas and nachos. It's not true. We have 31 states. Uh, we have hundreds of indigenous groups of the area in Mexico, uh, ingredients native to the country. And that's something really cool that we push a lot, like vanilla, for example. You know, you go to the store and like, oh, French vanilla, Tahitian, it's from Tabasco, mm -hmm. you know? It's like all these things, tomatoes, they're so important native to Mexico or the Americas. Yeah. You know, pizza, Italian cuisine, tomatoes everywhere. It's like, well, yeah, they came from the Americas. So these really important staples, we're trying to push them and, 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 and put them back in a pedestal that people understand how important Mexican food is. Is this, uh, when you describe the 30, the, you know, the 31 states, mm -hmm. right? Does this Is this comparable in terms of a moment in time, you know, De couple of decades ago, Americans didn't really, when they thought of Italian food, it was northern and southern, mm -hmm. right? One was kind of red sauce and whatever, and the other one was heavier, and right? Mm -hmm. or, um, uh, no one understood that there were, you know, yeah. 20 regions in Italy, right? But now there are restaurants all over the United States that are hyper-focused, right? Is this a similar moment for you, in, at least as far as you guys go and your, sort of the mission you're describing in terms of educating your, your diners? Is it similar? Yes, but it goes really fast. It goes every 45 days, and that's it. You won't see Oaxaca for another five years, you know? So it's, it goes really <laughs> fast, and it's right. a very hard thing to do. Yeah. Coming up with a successful tasting menu that sells out every time, 
and then it's gone in the blink of an eye. Yeah. That is extremely difficult. Yeah. So what's the development process like as, uh, you know, like, do you do you start the next one as soon as the, you know, the current one is? Oh, it's always in motion. Up? It's, it's always, always in motion. How many, how, how many, how far out are you planned? Like, how many? You mean for the next menu? Yeah. Like, how many, do you know what you're doing four or five menus from now? No, at least I don't mean the food one, itself, uh, yeah. but I mean like what, at least what you're ne- focusing on. Yeah, at least the next menu, maybe the one after that. But it's, it. it's a constant conversation, really, and it develops organically. And what we started talking about a couple of weeks ago might turn into something completely different sure. to, by the end. But yeah. it has to kind of all come out. Uh huh. And then we figure out what we like. That's it. That's the one. Yeah. And you know, it's it's constantly trying to inspire yourself wherever you find it. Yeah. Wherever, constantly and uh, saving it and looking back at it. And yeah. When you, uh, how far out do you start taking dishes out for test drives? Um, whenever we get a chance, we start working on any dish. Start developing. Yeah, if we get a moment with some free time, we'll start working on it. Good ideas. Um, as through the years, what was really what's really great now is that we've we've been really good at a lot of techniques. So now, if we have an idea, we know that we can get this out of the out of the way lo- a little bit faster. You have and the you have the uh, th- yeah we have a, the we have the tools you have the tool there. Set. Yeah. yeah. Mentally, to realize physically, things. it's all there, and the, it yeah. can happen. Yeah. yeah. So now it's just really the idea of like, well, how cool, how much cooler can this dish be? Right. And then you're just racking your brains and stressing yourself out until Is, it's perfect. Do one of you tend to be sort of the idea person, and the other one sort of the editor, or do you both do both those roles? I, I don't know. I mean, Diego's got a lot of great ideas. Um, he's got a lot. He's he's really a visionary. I like the that. thing about Rico is that he's a very soul food cook. Uh-huh. You know, uh, his food has a lot of deep, uh, a lot of deep flavors. Yeah. You know, they just yeah. meld well together. Uh-huh. So when you put some innovation and some touches and like a mixture of both of our things, you could put some pretty br- brilliant results, right? Dave was a really good painter. I'm a really good paint maker. We I put love it. it. <laughs> That's great. That's an answer. That's so a better a, answer than the question. And it's uh, two heads are always better than one, you know? And uh, a lot of chefs ask us, hey, how you guys make it work? You know, there's two chefs in the restaurant. Yeah, it's two chefs in the restaurant. And, you know, we... But this is a thing right now. Yeah. There's so many chef teams. Stronger together. I heard that somewhere. But I think it's <laughs> no. But I was talking. You know, I had Sam Smith in here mm-hmm. uh, before you guys uh, from from Tusk here in town. You know, he's with Josh McFadden. I mean, they have two places. But um, you know, in New York, there's a restaurant like Battersby that had uh, Joe Grodnick and Walker mm-hmm. Stir. But you know, what's interesting to me is, you know, in the year 2018, you go to a restaurant and you part of what you expect in like a, a known restaurant, right? Or a restaurant that's been publicized and gotten press is like the, the vision of a, of a chef, right? And it's interesting to me when two people are able to come together, but the food doesn't seem in conflict with itself, right? Like it seems to all come from one point of view, yep. right? It funnels into one. Yeah, but that... it's amazing to me that two people can do that, yeah. that that could be a team effort. Yeah, uh, like Sarah Hymason and Sarah Kramer out of uh, in Kismet in, in L.A. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal team. Yeah. You know? So yeah. two heads are always better than one. Uh, it's double the stories, you know. There's double yeah. the content and double the inspiration. So uh, it's 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 been a great adventure. You know? That's great. That's great. Yeah. It's fun watching you. I can tell the energy between you guys is it's special. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a blast. Our chemistry is awesome. Is, is it we're like, we're like brothers. Yeah, you um, seem – I mean, it comes off and, that and way. Even our own family dy- dynamic kind of sets it off in the same way we're all he comes from a family of three brothers i have two you know three brothers as well and oh my gosh it's just it, it's you know it's our parents are very much the same i go to his mom's house and it's 
I feel at home over there. Wow. And, and the thing is that Rico, the way it works, and any chefs out there that want to have a teammate on your on your side, is that we let the restaurant dictate what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Even if Rico and I wouldn't agree on something, we literally sit outside, literally, and look at the trinker and be like, what do you need? And then out of <laughs> nowhere, it needs this. Maybe it's something that Rico doesn't want to do or that I don't want to do. But we ask the restaurant, what do you need? And 100% of the time, he needs this. I love this. And for five years, we've been so successful because we listen to what the restaurant has to say. Mm-hmm. Whether as we're not fighting like a stubborn mule pulling that, no. Stop and just listen to the restaurant and that's what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And we've been open almost five, five years, you know? You know, it's funny. You talk the way a lot of writers talk. You know, a lot of novelists say that when they sit down to write, they... You know, you get once you've created your characters, you just sort of follow them. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's almost out of your hands. That's kind of the way you two talk about your. Oh yeah, the restaurant about your project. A, a larger entity than us it, from the get. It was the concept, the the mission behind it. It was way bigger than us, and yeah. we, we've been just trying to keep up with the baby, and it's just I love it growing, and, and it's it's amazing. Okay, so tell me, because when we were sitting outside, I was like, wow, you guys are really being worked. Here at, here at Feast Portland. <laughs> Tell me, let's go back and forth. So, Diego, let's start with you. Sure. What's, what have you guys have done? You're doing four things. You've done some of this already. Yeah. Okay, so run it by from the beginning. What so, have you done here? So we started yesterday, awesome event, Night Market. We had a great time. Uh, that's a really uh, uh, fun way to, to get in, uh, in touch with the local Portland people. And you get some FaceTime with them because we come from far away. You know? Yeah. Um, maybe a lot of them won't go to South Texas, but it's a great time to have some FaceTime with them. And they have questions and they've heard about you and you get to talk to them. And it's a great event. Uh, we also have a, a Wulum Sonoma event here in a couple of hours. Uh, we ha- I have but a- what, do you, what have you been serving? Oh, we did a, one of the best bites we've developed in a long time. We had a, a wonton that was full with a, a braised short rib. Okay. And then Rico made this really phenomenal salsa matcha, which is like a fried chili oil. Yeah, it's a... Yeah, it's fried chilies, roasted up with some garlics yeah. and uh, good extra virgin olive oil and some Texas pecans. Some Texas pecans and pecan. It, oh man, it's like this thing, this jar that you keep on the counter and you just put it on just about everything, from okay. savory to dessert. It's so good. And it was Got crunchy. It. it was weather appropriate. It was warm. You know, it was hot. It was. It was it easy was to execute. Easy mm-hmm. to transport. Because you got to think of all of those things to make it happen at that last moment. And so, Texas is far. So yeah. we brought up most 150 pounds of food. So you have to be quick in your execution. It has to be tasty as well. You know, so um, that was our bite yesterday. Uh, we have a phenomenal uh, a vanilla cured duck we're serving here in, a, in an hour or so mm-hmm. uh, with pickled apples and a mole that Rico made that's off the chain. Tell me about this vanilla thing. Is yeah. this like a... I'm kind of obsessed with it lately. You know? Is this a Mexican... Yeah, so, so vanilla is, uh, is from Tabasco, a little mm-hmm. orchid, right? And then from Tabasco, kind of went all over the world. So when you go to like Bath and Body Works, oh, it's Tahitian vanilla. You're like, eh, it's from Mexico. So I'm really trying to protect these things that we have But in you would have like vanilla, the duck, the, that duck preparation, is yeah, tra- so that's traditional? No, but it's, it's, it's part of the terroir, right? That's the thing. It's that Mexican food doesn't have to be what you see in a book. It can be what you find in the wild, right? Uh, for example, we have a dish right now of, uh, of a, uh, a pickled apples, duck, and uh, a butter sauce, right? Yeah. In Mexico, we have a huge uh, Amish community, Yeah. Men- Mennonites, and they make phenomenal butter. Yeah. They're I'm mix- asking because, you know, there was a chef years ago, I think it was Sandorens, who did uh, lobster with vanilla. Mm-hmm. And that was very imitated in France and in kind of Nouvelle-influenced mm-hmm. restaurants here. But a lot of people, looking back, didn't really care for that. But there was a chef in L.A., actually, who did a vanilla... No, he did a sassafras duck. Mm. Um, but anyway, I was, when you said the vanilla thing, it was interesting to me. But that's not like a radical. It's not a radical notion. It's not a uh, traditional 
uh, uh, use of it. Use of it, exactly. Okay. But it's part of the terroir. It grows really well in Tabasco, and it's uh, you know we have waterfowl in Mexico. So uh, Mexican food is no longer what you see in old cooking books from Mexico. It's yeah. not. It has to change. It's changing. It's evolving. So why not take stuff that grows in our terroir and apply it? It's at the end of the day, it's Mexican ingredients. You know, and it, by definition, it's Mexican food. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay, and uh, so back home, what's your? Wh- do you get what kind of mix of uh, clientele do you get? Is it like we have a, a broad spectrum? Yeah, we have a broad diverse. We had young couples that come to dinner for anniversaries. Yeah, uh, I'd say at least half of half of them aren't even from San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them will make the drive from Houston for the dinner that night only. Uh, a lot of we've had a lot of people plan their whole vacation just to come to San Antonio to eat at Michley. Uh, a lot of anniversaries. Um, a lot of Chicago. A lot of Chicago guests come since they like the whole you know fine dining scene in Chicago. They hear about the restaurant. They come down San Francisco. A lot of foodies. New York. Yeah, a lot of. It's foodies. great. That was the coolest part. Watching people come from all over the country to kind of have dinner with us. Uh huh. What kind of reaction do you get from people of Mexican descent or actually from Mexico? Like, what kind of reaction do you get to your we what you're doing with it? Sometimes we get some tears. Yeah. And I do you? That, that right there was the standard. Like, we want to make some people cry because... Now, tears of what? What, joy, what are the tears? Yes, uh, but what uh, is that of, from? Uh, nostalgia of remembering something that they haven't had in so long because they haven't been home in so long or because someone has repaired it that way or yeah. just reminds them, you know, these flavors that, that aren't always translated the exact same way once you're on the other side of the border. Um, and they find it there. It's like, this is, this is my, you know, I grew up doing this or eating this. And just that, when it gives you the, the goose hairs and... You just that's that's it. That's the standard to try to get a little tearjerker. See, there. when you first said it, what I was wondering is, and I don't know if it's an issue anymore. You know, I know people who came from that area um, years ago who had a you know Mexican background, and they were always a little embarrassed by their native cuisine. They were, you know, they yeah. felt like, does this ring a bell for you? Uh, Have uh, you heard uh, this? Of course. I mean, does it, but you, you're much. I mean, did, was this an issue for you guys at all? It's always been there. It has. Yeah, that's especially, not gone. Especially now more than ever. But it's always been there. Yeah, because um, when people started celebrating Mexican food mm-hmm. in this country, right? Which I guess you go back to like the '80s when this started happening. Um, that was like a big deal. Some, you know. So I'm just wondering: is that when you said tears, I thought it was like to see it kind of styled out like this, to see it celebrated like this, to see it treated almost in an artistic way. Well, you, that too. Yeah, that, that too. They, they like the fact that we polish it and kind of shine the apple back and put it in a pedestal. So that's what they like, that, hey, at least somebody respected Mexican food again because it's been dragged all over the ground. Right. So we're, we're really trying to uh, do our part in kind of, you know, shining and making it look bright again. Uh-huh. So, yeah, do people, you, nationals especially, do appreciate that. Do you guys feel connected to this kind of moment that's happening right now with Mexican food in the U.S.? Or 100%. Do you, feel, mm-hmm. you feel connected yeah. to that? Hundred uh, percent. It was really f- cool this year watching uh, the, the beer nominees for this year. The long list, a lot of Mexican restaurants, and that was really fun to watch. That was really cool to watch. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we are. I've been referring to this as our speed dating uh, <laughs> airstream. Yeah. yeah, we're out of time. Uh, but I have been talking with Diego Galicia and Rico Torres of Michley mm-hmm. Restaurant. And I made light of it earlier, but I really apologize that I got the name it's, wrong early in the, early in the show. I hate <laughs> when people mispronounce stuff. I get mad at least twice during every Oscar telecast. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you for being oh, here. It's a pleasure. Thank you and, so much. And uh, great to sit down and talk. This Enjoy great. the rest of the festival. Thank, thank you so much. And before we totally sign off, I do need to thank again Travel Portland. Stream PDX and the Julia Child Foundation for making our coverage possible, and to our engineer Aaron Parecki for taking such great care of us here today. Thank you, Aaron.